And so I'd ask that you guys would pray and come in to pray for her. And as uh, we celebrate together, I love this choir. I love this band very much. And uh, you guys are blessed. And so please encourage them and continue to pray for them. But I want to leave this song.
Thank you, Eric. God. And Allison is with you, too. God bless you. I'm sorry we did not recognize you earlier. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Thank you so very, very much. I went to buy my wife a Valentine's card. Fellas, don't forget. This is the week of Valentine's Day. The story of uh, Valentine's Day is rather interesting. Actually, it uh, was, is a Christian holiday and celebrates love and marriage. It actually began about uh, 250 years after our Lord's uh, appearance on earth in the year 250-270 in the city of Rome, <clears throat> There was a preacher by the name of a Preacher Valentine, and uh, he had a, a wonderful congregation. Uh, the young people just crowded to his church, and uh, they came to know the Lord, and uh, he just blessed families, and it was a, a marvelous time of building the church. But the Roman emperor, whose name was Claudius II, decided that uh, he didn't like Preacher Valentine very much because Preacher Valentine said that it is best for a man to marry and to marry a good woman and for them to come to know the Lord and build a Christian home. Claudius, the king of Caesar, said, no, that's not true. The best fighting men are men who are not married. Or if they have a wife and children, then they won't be good soldiers. He didn't know much about men, did he? He didn't know much about, and we would prove him quite uh, wrong in the Second World War when our citizen soldiers went off and defeated fascism in the world. And so he just said to uh, Valentine, the, pre the preacher, you can't preach love and marriage. In fact, I don't want any of my soldiers coming to your church. But Valentine was not hindered. He just kept preaching. Finally, Claudius had him arrested. And uh, when he did, he had him thrown into prison. Eventually, he was martyred as a Christian martyr. But he left a mark on our Christian faith. And that is that the God who loves us and who loves us so much he sent his son into the world, is the God who builds us as human beings and brings together people in love and marriage. And I uh, am particularly thrilled to say this morning that uh, probably the smartest thing my daughter ever did was to choose this man for her husband. And uh, we have marveled in the family that they have built together. Our daughter's a nurse, raised four children, uh, three, three of them have gone through college and have no debt as they come out. And uh, yeah, <clears throat> what, a, what a legacy to give to your children. It's because they worked hard, and that's on a preacher's salary. 
And so you, it took a great deal of frugality. And I'm, I'm so thankful to the Lord. You're thankful for your family. I want you to know I'm thankful for mine too. And I bless you and I bless families. And I encourage you. Well, I went to get my wife a Valentine's card the other day. And as I looked through the selection, I was amazed. Uh, there was a man standing next to me and he said... Uh, you're looking for a card for your wife? And I said, yes. He said, uh, wow, these things are expensive at Kroger's, aren't they? I was at Kroger's on, Roger, on uh, Roswell Road, uh, Jordan. And he said, uh, these things are expensive, aren't they? I said, they sure are. I didn't realize cards are 8 and $9 a piece. And the man thought for a moment, then he turned and said something like this. After all, I guess it's how much you care, isn't it? Now let that sink in a minute. I thought, yes, I could go to the dollar store and get two for a dollar. <laughs> one for this year and one for next. <clears throat> but after all, it's how much you care. Let that sink in. And I, I thought to myself, yes, Lord, that's right. That's what love really is. Love is how much you care. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, since it's coming Valentine's Day, I, I need to preach on Valentine's Day. So I want to read to you this morning a story, which I personally think is one of the most beautiful stories of grace and mercy and love in the New Testament. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 14, please. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. You'll recognize that I'm battling a little bit of bronchitis. I feel fine. I've been on medicine all week. It's just my voice a little bit, and I promise I won't preach long. And, uh, but I, I just feel like God has a message for us this morning. From the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Now the Passover and, the unle of, and unleavened bread were two days away, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how they might seize him to kill him, that is, Jesus. Now remember, this is on Tuesday before our Lord was crucified on Friday. So it's pretty close. And as they were doing this, they were saying, well, let's not do it, do it during this holiday, this festival. Otherwise, the people might riot because Jesus has many friends here. Verse 3, while he, that is Jesus and his disciples, were in Bethany. Bethany was a little town just south of the city of Jerusalem. You remember Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived in Bethany. You remember that? Okay, so that's, that figures into the story. While he was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, reclining at tables. Reclining at tables simply means they didn't sit at tables like we do. They leaned on their arm and uh, ate with their right hand. While they were there, uh, a woman came forward and uh, with a little alabaster uh, vial of perfume, very costly perfume, and uh, she broke the vial and poured it on his head. 
But some of the people were indignant, remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they were scolding her. Look at verse 6. But Jesus said to him, let her alone. Let her alone. What she has done, she has done what she could. For she has anointed my head for the burial. Truly, I say to you, that wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be spoken in memory of her. Now this is a unique love story. When we think of Valentine's Day, we think of, of phileo love, that is between two people, love between a man and a woman. Love is much larger than that. Love is unlimited and limitless, and there are many kinds of love. And I want to speak to you this morning particularly about our response to God's love. How do you love God back? Sometimes we, we hear so much about the wonderful grace and mercy of God. Amen, amen, and amen. But in this wonderful text, in this story, there appears something that is unique in the New Testament. It's unique in the Gospels. For here Jesus said, this woman has done something for me. And as I think about this, and I've thought about it for years, and as I've developed this thought uh, uh, from God's word, I believe God has a very special message to you and me. And that is how we might respond to God's love. And in this wonderful text, we see it here. Now the story is very simple. Jesus and his disciples during the day are preaching in the city of Jerusalem. At night, they go out the city gate a little bit to the south. Evidently, they are staying in the city of Bethany. And in the city of Bethany lived Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And in this week, just before Christ is crucified, there's a meal for him at the house of one Simon the leper. Now, it's very important when we read this story to realize there are two stories that are similar in the Gospels. The first story appears in John's Gospel, chapter 7. But the two stories are completely different, although they have some similarities. And we cannot get them confused. We should not get them confused. Many people have gotten them confused. First of all, this story that we're talking about today is in Bethany. This is down in Judah at the end of our Lord's life. The other story happened not, it happened up in Galilee. And it is the story of a meal there in which a woman came. And this woman came and uh, un, uh, anointed the, uh, washed the feet of Jesus and, and uh, dried his feet with her hair. And we're told that she was a, a woman whose character was suspect. Everybody knew who she was. And she's called a, a great sinner. 
That's the story in Galilee. It is not the story here in Bethany. It's different. Although, interestingly enough, the man's name in Galilee was Simon. The man's name in Bethany is Simon. So that's probably some of the reason for the confusion. But they're totally different stories. And we know exactly, we don't know exactly the name of that woman in Galilee, although in the very next verse, Mary Magdalene is introduced. And many people have just automatically associated the notorious woman with Mary Magdalene. And that is, you need to look at that verse again. But my attention now is drawn to this passage here in the Gospel of Mark. This meal happened at the end of our Lord's life, the last day, of the, on Tuesday before he was crucified on Friday. It was in the village of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so uh, they are eating together. John tells us that it was Mary who did this act. You remember that Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And when Jesus uh, brought uh, Lazarus back from the dead, that he had talked with Mary. And Mary had made a great confession of faith about Jesus Christ. But here, it is so surprising what she does. The first thing we notice about this text was, is that it was an unexpected service that she performed. Now, many, many years ago, when a lot of us older folks were younger, we do remember here in the South and really across America, uh, at certain meals, uh, men were served at the table, and the women actually stood around and served the table. I can still remember my grandmother uh, bringing food to the table and putting it on the table for the family, and she didn't sit down. She would stand, and she would eat, of course, but it was just the way she did things. It was the, the, the normal way to do it, and we found this throughout the Orient, especially in Indonesia. Uh, even at a meal for, for the church, the men were served separately, and uh, the women would stand around and put meat on the table and, and food on the table. It was the way they did it, and they still do it in the Orient. They still do it in the Middle East. So it was not unusual. It wasn't that Mary and Martha and the women who were cooking and serving thought of themselves as servants. No, they, they just were honoring the men is what they were doing. And so in this meal, Jesus is the guest. He's not the host. Simon is the host. And so during the meal, as the women are serving, and Mary is bringing in platters of food, and Martha is bringing in platters of food, uh, this was sort of a community thing. Uh, you know, it's sort of like our potluck here. A number of you women have brought your, your special dishes. Oh, wow. I bet it all tastes good. I can smell it now. Uh, I remember that this is a church where the cooks are, are wonderful. You're going to enjoy it. I just hope you get, uh, you, you get your uh, hunger up for this. And so as the women brought the meals in, in the middle of that meal, something happened. This 
woman stopped at Jesus' place. And as she stopped, she, she did something rather unusual. She took something from around her neck. It was a little, it was a little container, probably something like this. Now, this is, you don't recognize this, but my daughter and my wife will sort of snigger a little bit when they see it. Because this is what we call in the Orient nose oil. And it's a, a nice, beautiful camphor smell. And uh, in the congregation on Sunday morning in Indonesia, when all the people are gathered, you'll begin to see a little bottle like this passed from Ellen to this lady, and from this lady to Mary, and this lady to you, and from that lady on back through the congregation. And everybody takes a little bit out like this and puts it under their nose, and the sermon smells good. Not only does it, it, it hear well, but it smells better. And literally the services smell like this, my children call it Axe Oil. That's the name of it, actually. But it's, it's nose oil. Now this is, uh, this is a little unique to us in our culture, but in the Middle East, <clears throat> women would uh, have a little vial like this on a, a necklace or something around their neck. And that's what this woman did. She had this perfume. Now, John tells us uh, it was uh, a very special kind of perfume. It was called spikered, and it was a, a perfume that was, uh, came only from India, and it was very, very expensive. And uh, that little bottle of perfume was worth 300 denarii. Now, a, a carpenter in Israel in the day of Jesus made one denarii a day. So you can figure it pretty quickly. 300 denarii is almost a year's wages in perfume. So this woman really was not a, a poor lady. She had, had this perfume. It was very, it was very precious. It, uh, women still wear perfume. And women still pay a lot of money for perfume. And I'm not sure quite that much, but anyhow, uh, they, they do. But for Mary, it was not only precious in cost, but it was also sort of a precious uh, and personal item. Women wore it around their neck. Of course, if she wore it around her neck, it perfumed her whole body. Uh, women still like to smell pretty good. My wife does. And uh, she had it around her body. It became perfume for her. But also, she had another purpose for it. <clears throat> Secondly, it was a ready source of cash. For instance, if she saw a piece of property that she wanted to purchase or something, uh, she didn't use banks. This was, her, this was her pocketbook right here. This was her money. She had a ready source of about a year's wages. She could have bought what she wanted. And so it was not only precious, but it was personal to her. But it had another personal meaning, which is much deeper. Alfred Edersheim, the great Jewish Christian scholar, says that this perfume was worn and kept by almost every woman. She had some 
little bottle of perfume. It might be very expensive. It might be very cheap. But she had it. And she had it for a very personal, personal reason. Not only that she might uh, smell well, good, but she also carried it because in case she died, they could use that perfume to anoint her body. Mary and I still remember going to funerals in Indonesia, and they do not have embalming, and when the body's in the casket, they do some rather interesting things. In some villages, they literally fill the casket with coffee, ground coffee, which sort of gives it a better smell. Among the Chinese particularly, they put tea in the casket, which makes it smell better. And so people were very concerned about odor. And so this woman had this in case she died. And it appears that Mary was not married. So she had an instant bank around her neck. She not only had a, a wonderful, beautiful perfume, but she had also something for her burial. But she took that from her neck. And look at what the scripture says. She took it from her neck and literally broke it, broke the top off of it, and she poured it on Jesus' body. When she broke the, the neck off of it, of course she was saying, I'm pouring out all of this. It's not only a unique an unexpected service, but it was something of an unusual sacrifice for her to pour all of it out. John tells us that it was Judas who said, wow, what a waste. I've heard many people say, I've heard men say to women, what a waste it is to tithe. What a waste it is to give a gift to God. What a waste it is to support missions. We might use that money here. We might use that money for that. But there is in our Christian faith this wonderful, beautiful message from our Lord. And his emphasis, by the way, to you and me, that she has done something very beautiful in giving, making an unusual sacrifice. I know about tithing. We tithe. The money that Mary and I receive from our Social Security, we tithe to East Side. The money that this church pays me, I tithe here in this church. I'm a tither. I want to encourage you to consider tithing. I want you to consider not only to tithe, but to give gifts unto the Lord. And to give a very special gift to missions. Because this is what Jesus is saying. Somehow we have lost the concept. We give God the leftovers, the pennies, the change. We give God what is left. The Bible says to give our tithe. Give the first tithe to the Lord. Give the first part to the Lord. And when you do, God recognizes it. God blesses it. And so this woman made an unusual sacrifice. She broke it. But there is something wonderful in this passage. Look in the Bible. Look what it says. First of all, Jesus says, this woman, this woman 
has made a gift to me. You see that right here? Look at it. It's in verse 6. She has done a good deed to me. I challenge you to show me one verse in the Bible where some man gave a personal gift personally to Jesus. Oh, yes, they gave him the fish and the loaves. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, dear friends, Jesus says, this is unique. This woman recognizes and understands who I am. She understands what's going to happen. This is Tuesday. She knows what's going to happen on Friday. She knows I'm going to die on the cross. She actually has anointed my body for my burial. What an amazing understanding this woman had. She had really a understanding heart. And I, I want to pray that for myself and my wife, for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, that they will have an understanding heart. That the very bottom line of all Christian faith is giving to Jesus. Oh yes, I know we have to pay to keep the lights on. We have to pay the bills. And I heard people say, well, you know, we got to keep the lights on. We got to pay the preacher. You don't have to pay the preacher. But I want to tell you, dear friends, in your life, you need to live a life of personal giving to Jesus. I love what is told by missionaries from Africa. That in the African churches, many times, when they take the offerings on Sunday morning, the offering is not collected, but the plates are here, and people come forward, and they will take their gift, whatever it is, and they will lift it and say, for Jesus, and put it in the plate. For Jesus put in the plate. We saw this in Burma. We saw this in China, in the churches when they would bring their offering. They didn't always have money, but they would bring rice. Sometimes you would see at the front of the, of the church bags of rice or a, a bowl of vegetables, a corn. You'd see eggs. You'd see different things. And often there would be little signs on it. And I asked someone, what did that sign say? That little, that little piece of paper on that gift, on that bag of rice. And it said, thank you God for healing my wife. What did this, what, what's this sign on this bowl of fruit right here? It says, thank you Jesus for the birth of our new grandchild. We need to get back to the thought that our giving to God is not some kind of ritual. It is not some kind of duty. It isn't something that is demanded by the church. When you care enough, you'll give the very best. This woman had an understanding heart, but there's something yet unique here. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, about this, this woman. She has done a good deed for me. She has done what she could. And what has she done? 
She had taken that little vial of perfume, opened it up, literally broke the top, and poured it on Jesus' head. That's what it says right here. You look at it. She poured it on his head. That's verse 3. You need to underline that. Because you say, well, the woman up in Galilee, she put it on Jesus' feet. That's right. That's right. But this woman didn't put it on Jesus' feet. She put it where? On his, on his head. On his head. Who was anointed? And Jesus uses this word. She has anointed me. Anointed? That means it is a sacred, religious thing that she's doing. She's literally pouring this on my head. Who was anointed in the Old Testament? The kings were anointed, weren't they? Weren't the kings anointed with oil? Jesus is saying, this woman recognizes me as her Lord, as her Savior, as her King, as her Master. When you give an offering and you lift it to the Lord, Lord, this is for you. You're saying, I recognize Jesus as my Savior, my Lord. Who else was anointed in the New Old Testament? Well, it was the, it was the priests. What did the priests do? The priests brought people to God. Jesus is our great high priest. He is the one who is the only mediator between God and man. It is Jesus who brings us into the presence of the Father under the covering of his atoning blood. Amen and amen and amen. He is the only mediator, not angels, not the saints, not even his mother. It is Christ alone who is the Savior. And this woman is making a unique confession of faith. I know who he is. I'm confessing who he is with my offering. I can't go to the cross. I can't be nailed in his stead. But I want to recognize him on this earth. And that's exactly what God calls you and me to do with our gifts of service our gifts of ministry when you go to the nursing home when you cook the meal for the men these are services when you take up the offering when you serve as a greeter these wonderful people who are ministering to our children they are ministering in Christ's name to those children oh dear friends God calls us and our Savior recognizes and lifts us to the place that we understand what he is doing right here. He's saying she's making a unique confession. She confesses me as her Lord. She confesses me as her Savior, her mediator. She also recognizes me as her prophet. The prophet was one who told the truth from God. I want to say to you, dear friends, Islam is an empty well. The road of yoga, Buddhism, will lead you away from Christ, not towards Him. But I want to call you, I want to call you to faithfulness in Christ. Make the unique confession. Hold fast to your faith. Let us, as a church, rise to be the people who do the unexpected service and ministry. Not what it's expected. Going beyond that. Let's take up our cross and follow him. 
And let us be willing to make the unusual sacrifice. Yes, God is saying it is not equal giving. It is equal sacrifice. That's what the Lord calls us to do. And let us do it with an understanding heart. We don't, we don't ask you for money. We're not asking our visitors to give or go out here and solicit money to build the church. If God's people do not rise to the occasion, if they do not love their Lord enough, then who cares about the church? I care. You care. For the sake of thy church, O Lord, I will seek your good, says the psalmist. Then notice Jesus says something else. Jesus said, I want this to be a universal witness. Wherever the gospel is preached, whether in Africa or in South America or Europe or Asia, tell this story. I've tried to be faithful to that. Many years ago when God laid this burden on my heart, I just said, Lord, wherever I go, I'm going to try to do what you say. Jesus said, preach this message. Preach this message. And so today I have brought you God's message from his word. And I pray that we have learned from Mary of Bethany and hear from our Lord's lips himself. This is for me. It is for the God of creation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice one last thing, verse 9. In verse 9, Jesus says, Truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be spoken in memory of her. Notice the word truly. You see that? In the King James, it's surely, truly. That's a literal translation from the language that Jesus said, amen. The word truly, 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 amen, amen. Throughout the gospels, that's what it means. Truly, truly, surely, surely. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen, amen, amen. Jesus says what this woman does has my amen on it. I want to be not only, I want to be a man who does the same thing. I want to call you men to arise to the occasion. Let us do the unexpected service during these days of the interim. Let us make unusual sacrifices let us make these sacrifices with an understanding heart. And this will be our unique confession to the world. Probably the most outstanding picture I've seen of this happened in India. <clears throat> As I said, in India, when people bring offerings, they uh, do not pass a plate, but they bring them forward. There was uh, in a church uh, an elderly lady. She had no family, her husband was gone, she had no children. She was very thin, she probably didn't weigh 60 pounds. The only way she could make a living was washing clothes, which she did seven days a week. But she came to know Jesus as her savior and had such a deep personal faith in Christ that people were always amazed when, as the line formed to bring gifts to the altar, People stood back and let her go first. Not because she brought a big gift. Not because she brought great money. As she stepped forward, 
Her poor old sarong was faded. You could hardly see the batik color in it. She had it on a simple top. Across her shoulder, she had what we call a slindong, which sort of serves as a pocketbook and something to carry everything. When she came to the church in the mornings, she would come by the market, by the pasar. And every Lord's Day morning, she had just a bit of money. She would stop at the market and buy two brown eggs. Two brown eggs. That was her only protein for the week. She would eat rice and greens the rest of the week. But being quite elderly, she would buy those two brown eggs. And the pastor said she would come forth to the altar and she'd reach into her sarong and pull out one brown egg and lay it in the offering plate. And everybody would sort of watch. But this particular morning when she came forward, she laid the one brown egg in the offering plate. The pastor said she turned, but she paused. And then looking to the heavens, she reached into the sarong and took the second brown egg and lifted it in her hands like this, saying in her language, thank you, Jesus. And She laid the second brown egg in the offering plate. There wasn't a dry eye in that congregation. They knew what she had done. She had done exactly what the woman had done in the temple. Jesus said, she, in giving her few pennies from her social security check or her allotment, whatever, she has done more than all the rest. Why? She did the unexpected. She did it with an understanding heart. She did it for Jesus. Oh, dear God in heaven, may our offering and our lives rise to that commitment to him in Jesus' name. But the thing that God wants most of you is for you to give your life to him. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. We're going to sing an invitational hymn now in just a moment. One verse, and we invite you. If you're here and you'd like to make a profession of faith in Christ, Brother Lee Markham and myself will meet you here. If you want to move your letter into the fellowship of this church, we invite you to come. But what we do, let us do as unto the Lord. Amen? Then let's stand very reverently together as we sing this very first verse of this invitational hymn. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I. 
At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. I want to thank you for your patience this morning. We're going to have a wonderful experience now of our agape feast. Brother Lee is going to explain that to you. Uh, and it would, if you would just sit down for just a moment, please. My, my family has a two o'clock departure. So if you would excuse us, we're going to slip out and go straight to the airport. Thank you for coming. Please enjoy the meal. God bless you. And we'll see you tonight at 6.30. Thank you. this is how it works. You go through the line, you take your food, you put it on your plate. You go sit down, you put the food on your fork, you bend your elbow. Be sure when you bend your elbow that you open your mouth because that goes in there. That's the easy part. As a matter of fact, that's the only part. Let me share with you a few announcements real quick. Our Agape uh, Love Feast will be immediately following. We'll have our prayer for the food and the, and the fellowship here before we go. Be sure to hang around. Don't eat your food, gobble it down, and then leave because we have some entertainment. We have some games. We have some activities. For those of you who do not know Beverly Lively or Jack Collins, would you stand? We want, them, we want everybody to know this is going to be our entertainment today. Okay? Last week, I said I didn't know if they juggled or what they did. I found out what the entertainment is, but I'm not going to tell you. You'll have to stay in order to find out, but I know that you'll be, be blessed by being there. Some other things I want to mention that are in the bulletin, some that are not in the bulletin. Uh, this, uh, I believe, is um, winter break for school. Is that right? And so, therefore, somebody went like that. Okay, then forget it. I will say to you that uh, there are a couple of things in here. One that is in the bulletin that is uh, uh, bordered in black. We need some help. If you have a, a, a gift, a skill, a talent to know how to design and maintain a website, our church website is in need. If you would contact either me or... Uh, call the church office and let them know we'll talk with you about that because we do need to keep it updated and, uh, and in order all the time. Not in the bulletin. Now you know you look at the choir up here and you think isn't that a great group of people? Isn't it? They're all gathered together and when they sing, they sing as one. But they don't learn as one. They learn as parts. This part, that part, another part. Tonight, at this afternoon at 4 o'clock, uh, there will be a parts uh, practice. 
And uh, those of you that are in the choir, you understand what that means, and we ask you to be here at 4 o'clock. For the rest of you that don't understand what that means, go ahead and show up anyway. Maybe you can find out what your part is. But then at 5 o'clock, it'll be everybody. And everyone's invited. If you thought about singing in the choir, we'd like for you to come and be a part of that. If you've not thought about singing in the choir, but somebody else thinks you ought to, well, go ahead and please them and show up and be a part of that. Now, did I say all that right? She says no. She says yes. Next time, we'll let her come say it. No, I think that was right. Parts at 4 o'clock and then everyone at 5 o'clock, the choir this evening. John, it's so good to see you here today. You've been gone for a while, haven't you? Would you come and offer our blessing for our meal? Any other announcements that I did not make? You have one. John, uh, you're going to have to come up here. The deacon's meeting we had planned for this afternoon has been, has been moved to Wednesday, but then it's been canceled, so there'll be no deacon's meeting this week. We'll resume it the following week on Wednesday night. That's for all the deacons, okay? It's always good to be back at Eastwood, amen? You never know what part he's going to leave out. You need, need to be here and make sure you get it all, amen? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to stand behind your holy desk and to ask your blessings upon the food. Bless those that prepared it. Lord, help us to follow your instructions and serve you. Lord, as this precious lady opened a bottle of oil and poured it on our Savior's head, she poured it all out. Lord, help each and every one of us here today to pour it all out for thee, to serve thee, and to do what you ask us to do. We'll give you the praise and honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.